0: Let's turn to 2 Corinthians 3, 17, and 18. Last week, Nate had commented about God caring for us and caring for the details of our life. And there's a lot going on as he kind of talked in Israel, and a lot going on in our own personal lives that we go through stresses and troubles and issues and, and attitudes and things that, that we have to deal with. <clears throat> so today I kind of want to talk about uh, freedom in Christ and what he's, he's done for us and what that looks like to, to live in His freedom. There's a scripture in uh, Galatians 5 that says, it's a pretty astounding scripture, He says, Purpose we've been free, the reason why we've been set free. It's going to blow your minds, but if the reason why we got set free is for freedom, that's kind of a <laughs> kind of a funny way to say it because it's like you got free for freedom. But that's a pretty big point. The reason why he set us free is to be free. So what things in our life are we not free from? So let's take a look at 2 Corinthians 3.17. Now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And and we who with unveiled faces all reflect the glory of the Lord. are being transformed into His image with intensifying glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. So look at that for a second. And we who with unveiled faces... are being transformed into his image with intensifying glory. So we're to be being transformed into his image. So, so that's what we're going to kind of look through today is how and what are we called to? What, are, what is our calling? And what is the will of God for our life? So we're looking to be transformed into his image. So let's see what some of these things look like of what his image looks like. So, everybody here basically has strongholds. Stronghold is basically a, a pattern in which we think, a belief system that's basically set itself up and it's become a stronghold in the way it's thinking. So it's defending a position on how we think. And these, these strongholds are set up, it's like an army situation set up, to defend how you think and believe. So when we don't look like Christ, we either have unbelief or we have strongholds set up in us that are defending a mode in which we believe and think. So the scripture says, be careful on how you hear, because how you hear, you will receive. And if you don't listen well, even what you think you have will be taken from you. So we have to understand and pay attention to what the word of God is saying and not make light of any of these things and take it. And listen well, because the the amount that you listen, he will give you. So there's if there's things in our life that don't look like Jesus, these things need to be got rid of. They're formed by our beliefs and opinions. So let's let the word challenge these things in our life and see what this looks like, so that we can... Become in Him, His image. So, Ephesians four twenty. Try not to breathe into the microphone too much. Ephesians four twenty. But this is not the way you have come to know Christ. Surely you heard of Him and were taught in Him, keeping in the truth that is in Jesus, to put off your former way of life, your old self which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So there's what we're called to. We're called to put off this old nature that we've been raised in. We were born into the fallen nature of man. We're to put off this old nature that we've, we've functioned in, we raised in. It makes sense to us. It it seems right, but we're to be transformed by putting this thing off, by beholding Christ and reflecting the glory of Him. So we're to be renewed in the spirit of our mind to put the new self, put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So that we don't function in the way that we've been raised. So we're not functioning out of self, selfishness, hurts, pains, fears, anxiety, any of these things that are in the world came through the fallen nature of Adam. It's, it's what we we're born into. But that isn't what is supposed to stay in our life. That thing is supposed to be put off. And we're supposed to live like Christ. So anything that's not looking like Christ is the thing that we're supposed to be being born again to. Being renewed. Putting off the old, putting on the new. In Hebrews 5, 7-10... It talks about, let's see, 5-7. He he in the days of his flesh, so this is Jesus, having offered up both prayers and supplications with loud crying and tears to the one being able to save him from death, and having heard because of his reverent submission, though being a son, he learned obedience from the things he suffered, and having been perfected, he became the author of, Of eternal salvation to all who obey Him, having been designated by God a high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. So, right there, we can see right here, Jesus learned through the things He suffered. So, we're all going through things that we suffer in this life. You're going through things. That's just this life is going to bring things in your life. We're going through things, but in here, Jesus himself, who is the author of our faith, learned from the things he suffered. He also says that eternal salvation, he became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him. See, the salvation without obedience is not salvation. He came to give us help through his spirit. He came and showed us the way. He came to give us the grace to walk in the manner in which he did. Our fallen nature of Adam that we were born into has nothing to do to be able to walk this out and be right with God, to be be with God for eternity. We can't do it in ourselves. There's nothing of us that is going to be able to get us there. That's why he's saying he is the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him. And he had to learn by the things he suffered. Hebrews 12... I know I'm kind of flipping through a lot of scriptures here, real quick, but trying to get a little bit of a base going as far as what we're looking at. Looking at basically, we're looking to be transformed into his image by beholding and being a reflection of who Christ is. So we need to look at seeing anything that isn't a reflection of Christ and recognizing that isn't in our life. To be renewed by the spirit, in our spirit of our mind, putting off the old man. See, there's a lot of action on our side. He didn't just come and say, okay, I died on the cross, and now you're okay, and now you're forgiven, and now you're going to go to heaven. Have a good life. Try to do the best you can. We'll see you later. We'll see you up there. That's not what he did. That's not not our salvation. It's much greater and bigger than that. Hebrews 12. In your struggle against sin, you have not resisted to the point of shedding your blood, and you have forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons. My son, do not take lightly the discipline of the Lord, and do not lose heart when he rebukes you. For the Lord disciplines the ones he loves, and he chastises every son he receives. Endure suffering as discipline. God is treating you as sons. For what son is not disciplined by his father? If you do not experience discipline like everyone else, then you are illegitimate children, not true sons. Furthermore, we have all had early fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. Should we not much more submit to the Father's spirits and live? Our fathers disciplined us for a short time as they thought was best, but God disciplines us for our good so that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems enjoyable at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it yields a harvest of righteousness and peace to those who have been trained by it. So I was asking God one day, and I was kind of like, God, why does it seem like I go through the same things everybody else in the world does? It seems like I'm trying to serve you, yet I still have the same issues, problems, and I'm still experiencing life just as the non-Christian. So what does that look like? Why, why am I experiencing, and why, what is the difference here? Why, why does it not seem like I'm any different? Because right here he tells us in Hebrews 12, 7 and 8. He says everyone undergoes discipline. That's everybody. Everybody. But only the sons of God receive it as discipline. So when we're going through this life, we've got to recognize it's good to know how God disciplines us. I mean, think about how is God going to discipline you and teach you and guide you when you can't visually see him or audibly hear him? How does he work in our lives? Through the things we go through. To purify us as he is pure. He learned through the things he suffered. What things do you go through that would create a suffering in you? You're going up to go do something and the person across the counter is being a real problem to you. And they're not being helpful and they're being a jerk. You're going through suffering right there. But what's your response? Are you being trained in ways of righteousness or out of selfishness? Are you still responding out of the natural tendencies of man? Or are you now going, okay, he's responding, he's training. He's he's saying, be legitimate children and be disciplined by the things you're going through. Because if we don't take the discipline of God by the things that we're going through, he's saying you're acting as illegitimate children. You're not taking my hand upon the natural things that's happening as my discipline to teach you the ways of righteousness and holiness. It's revealing something in you that's not looking like Christ, but yet we're not trained by it. We're frustrated by it instead. And he's going, no, that's not right. He's saying, this is how Jesus was trained, this is how you're trained, and this is how legitimate children are trained. I'm going to jump to 1 Peter two nineteen. This one, if you go to your translations, it probably is going to say commendable in a section, two spots, or gracious if you have the ESV, which is close, but in the Greek and in the the Aramaic gives basically the best translation for this, because we know we're all saved by grace, and Peter's talking about grace in this. Here's our calling. So if anybody wants to know what our calling is in Christ, here's what he's going to tell us our calling in Christ is and what it looks like. So 1 Peter 2.19. This is grace. If for sake of conscience towards God, anyone endures grief, suffering unjustly. What kind of credit is it if doing wrong and being struck, you endure it? But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is grace from God. So, real quick, remember grace in Titus 2.11. He tells us grace, the grace that brings salvation, teaches us to live godly. To, to renounce ungodliness and to teaches us how to live godly in this day and age. So, the grace that brings salvation teaches us how to live godly. Peter just says right here, he says, this is grace. If for sake of conscience towards God, anyone endures grief, suffering unjustly. He says, but if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is grace from God. That's teaching you how to live godly among the crooked and perverse generation. Taking wrong. Let's finish the rest of that. For to you you were called. For to this you were called. Because Christ also suffered for you leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin, no deceit was found in his mouth. When they heaped abuse on him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats, but entrusted himself to him who judges justly. See, that section right there, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. See, if we're not entrusting ourselves to God in these times, who's judging these situations, then we're going to be caught up in the wrong done to us, and we're going to be offended by it instead of going, I am entrusting myself to God, and this is the grace of God, that it is. this is my calling to do good and suffer for it, and entrust myself to the, to the judge who sees and knows all things, because he makes it right in his time how he wants but this is what I'm called to and laying yourself down. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness by his stripes you are healed. Again, right there, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. See, so he's calling us out, completely out of the everything of the fallen nature of man, everything that we function like, everything we've grown up in, everything that makes sense to be hurt by, to be offended at, to be frustrated with, to be stressed out about, any of these things, he's saying, no, that's the old nature of man. That is not the person that I am. You don't see Christ going, oh my goodness, God, I'm just stressed out. I'm about to go to the cross and you have no idea what that's going to be like. I already know the outcome of this. And you're just kind of stressing me, shut up, Peter. Man, you get on my nerves. He's, he's, not, <laughs> he's not barking there. Thank goodness, that would be, be kind of a messed up scenario right there. But he's loved. He's, he's, not, he's not concerned of himself. He's laid his life down. It's not about him. We're, our, our faith is, we, we overcome by the word of our Testament, the blood of the Lamb, and deny our life unto death. It's not, I mean, the initial steps of our faith, when we come into faith, what do we do? Bat- Baptize, death of self. Without the death of self, there is new, new life. We have to see this clearly because otherwise we're going to incorporate Christ into our life and think that we're just going to be a little bit better and we're just kind of trying. But the problem is we haven't actually died to what is killing us. And that's the nature that we're born into. Because this is what he's saying. This is our calling and this is his will. So here's the will of God. 1 Thessalonians 5. Five, sixteen, 16, and 18. Rejoice at all times. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in every circumstance. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So, that's a lot. Rejoice at all times. Give thanks in every circumstance? How do you give thanks in every circumstance? That's a that's kind of a this is the will of God for your life. How are you gonna do that? Well hopefully we're gonna be able to see why and how we can do this. Let's jump to well, you don't have to, but I'm gonna go to Romans five. Romans five, three through nine. Not only that, but we also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts through the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. For at just the right time, while we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man. Though for a good man, someone might possibly dare to die. But God proves his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Therefore, since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from wrath through him? Okay, so three real quick. Not only that, we rejoice in our sufferings. Rejoicing in sufferings. If you don't see the picture of how to rejoice in sufferings, you won't be able to rejoice in sufferings. You're going to go, you're going to be suffering and be like, I will rejoice in the Lord. You're not, it's a hypocrite. It's, you're really not rejoicing. You're trying to do something, but you're not rejoicing. The only way we can rejoice in this, in the sufferings and things that we're going through, is if we understand why we would rejoice. If we understand that this is the work of God, if we're looking to be as Christ is, reflecting the mirror and image of Christ, then the things that we're coming into and the things we're going to suffer in, we're going to be understanding that God is purifying and working something out of us that is responding not like him. And he's going, this needs to be removed. He's faithful and just, right? It says that he's faithful and just to get us there. That's what he's faithful and just to. But we have to understand how he's faithful and just to do it. So if we understand, we also rejoice in suffering. Because he says, because we know that suffering produces perseverance. So he lists the things that it basically starts doing. Because when you know that this is the way God trains you and teaches you and purifies you, then you're going to see these things you're going into as things God's going, something is in your life that shouldn't be there. Look. Look. Whack, it's hitting, it's it's creating a problem. Something's looking not like Christ, not like Christ, not like Christ. And he's going, I must purify that out of you. Because it's him that we must look like. Our assurance in the day of judgment is we look like him in this life. So these things as we're going through this life, and we're reckoning as we're coming up to a situation, we're we're coming up to something, and we have a little bit of a ah! Or a problem or irritant. Oh, all these things that we're recognizing. He's going, there's something there that's not of me. This needs to be removed. See, it's the overcomer. We overcome this world. Those are the ones that get it. The overcomers. And he's teaching us how to be overcomers. By letting the things of this life come and say, is it, are you feeling that? Is it, is it touching you? Because Christ, when this, when Satan came, he said, "Satan comes, but he has nothing in me. He can't yank me around. He can't stick my face in the mud. He can't do anything that's going to get to me. He was fully given to God. There was nothing else in Jesus's life that was lord over him. Because whatever you're overcome by, you're a slave to. And if we're overcome by our emotions of the situation at that time, boom." We've been overcome by something other than Christ, and Christ is the only Lord that's supposed to be in our life. And this is how he's saying, this is how he purifies us and gets us out of these things. He's going, you'll learn through the things you suffer. You rejoice in all these things. Why? Because we know that what we're going through is to purify us, to show us that something's in us that isn't of Christ. Let's get that removed. We look to him, and we ask for him to help in these situations. We go, God, help me. You know, this situation in my life, help me. This is a problem. And he already did. He killed the nature that has a problem with the situation. He's not looking to change the situations that we're struggling in to get you free from it. If you've got a situation you're having a hard time with it, he's not into changing your situation. He's into changing you so that regardless of what situation, you don't have a problem. If we're only as good as the situation we're in, then we're going to be dictated by as weak as the people are around us. So if somebody's going to be having a problem around me, and they're going to be having issues, now, and I come into that situation, am I going to be having issues? Because this other person is lost and having issues? Is that how we're to be the light of Christ, of going... I'm as good as my environment. I hope my environment's good around where I'm going today. That's not going to be a very good witness of Christ. It's going to be a pretty sad one. And that's not what he's trying to get us to live like. It's through the death of self. So I'm going to try and find my spot again. It's not looking to him for relief from them It's being trained by them. God is the Lord of our life and not our circumstances. If our circumstances are controlling us, then it's showing us that we have something else that is able to be a God of our life. Nothing should be a God of our life to be able to control us. The only thing we should have Lord in our life is Christ alone. And if there's other things in this life as we're walking through, he's just to help us to recognize, look guys, here's Christ, this is what you're supposed to be beholding and becoming the image of. But if we're not paying attention, we're going out here thinking that the world and these things are the problem, they're not. The problem is, we're not being trained by the things we're in to look more like Christ. That's how we have freedom in the situations. There's nothing that we should be going through that should be overcoming us, stressing us out, giving us anxiety, worries, fears. If our life is given over to Him, we're going to be trained in these things and it's going to help us learn. Ephesians 4 11 through 13. And it was He who gave some to be apostles some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry and to build up the body of Christ until we all reach the unity of faith in the knowledge of the Son of God as we mature to the full measure of the stature of Christ. That's the pretty good news. Our full, we're literally supposed to be built up. So, so, until we reach the unity of faith and the knowledge of of the Son of God as we mature to the full measure of the stature of Christ. The full measure of the stature of Christ. The hope hope of glory, Christ in you, the hope of glory. The hope of glory is the manifest evidence of, of God being seen. So Christ being in us is the hope of God being seen on this earth. And so we are called to become to the full stature of Christ. And if he had to learn through the things he suffered, how much more us? He's the author of our faith. He's authored this. God God has authored it to be this way. We're to suffer for doing good. That's the grace of God in our life. To be able to walk in holiness... Not taking account of the wrong, walking in the same example Jesus gave us, not, not accounting our life unto ourselves, but being able to give our life to God as the judge and not take account in records of it. We're not going to be offended and hurt if, if we're relying on God being the judge and He's called me to this and that's what I'm going to do. I'm not going to take it up in offense. I haven't been called to that. I'm not going to take up saying that's wrong. these people are doing wrong and that's wrong against me. That's, that shouldn't be happening. He never called us to that. He said, you take it, and you put your life in my hands. I'm the judge. And he's given us the grace of God. Here's the grace of God. That's how you live. Here's, my, here's the call in your life. Suffer for doing good. See, it's, it's nice, though, because it trains you in the ways of righteousness, because then once we understand and we can walk in this, The problems of what we should experience in life are because we don't walk in godliness. It's godliness not to account the wrongs against us. It's godliness to be looking to God alone and now my life and everything I experience is looking to be transformed as his is. And not looking at the wrongs or the hurts that I'm going through as though my life is dear to me. My life isn't. Remember, a dead man isn't offended. If we're died with Christ... What's the death of Christ mean? It means we've died to everything that we were. A dead man, you're not going to offend a dead man. My dad had passed away a couple years ago. You can go scream in his grave all you want. He's not going to be offended at you. You, you. you could say or do whatever you want. There's nothing you can do. There's nothing of his life that you're going to make him pick up. It's gone. That's what this life has to be, dead everything of it dead, to live to new. A whole new way of thinking, a whole new way of understanding, and a whole new perspective, losing everything of this life and being sojourners here, only passing through, not building our life here, but looking to a home, a heavenly home, built by God. Steve said, like, a couple of weeks ago, he said, God was not ashamed to be called their God because they looked to the heavenly home. That's, a, that's an interesting statement. God's not ashamed to be called their God because they were looking for a heavenly home and not looking here as planting something. He cares. It matters. The life here isn't for that. We either give our life to God and trust Him in all things, or we make a list of everything that's precious to us and we pray over it in fear so that it won't be taken or hurt. When I came to God, when I was kind of having a hard time, all basically everybody knows us drugs, pornography, just my marriage was wrecked. We we're getting divorced, and I had ruined my life. I mean, I just destroyed it. It was just messed up. And I went to God and I said, "God, I give you my life." And I felt really bad saying that. Honestly, I felt. Bad, saying, hey, God, look, this life that you gave me, I went and I destroyed it and turned it into trash, and now I'll give it to you. Here you go, have my trash, because I've got nothing left that's good. But you know what? He was okay with it. It touched my heart. He said, "Ah, that's what I want. He doesn't care about our lives and what we've built. Everything that you can do in this life is worthless to him. He doesn't care what kind of business, how successful you are, what you've done in this world. He cares about you and you only. He wants us. And a lot of times, we don't ever give them all of us because we have stuff in our life that is valuable. And then we hold on to the valuable parts of our life, and we pray to God for protection over it. See, my, my marriage was shot. We, were gonna, we had divorce papers. I was a wreck just mentally. I was not, I did not have good character. A lot of bad decisions and bad decisions lead to weak character. And so the only thing valuable in my life were my children. My children were the only value I had left. And I recognized that I kind of was holding on to my children and wanting to protect them I, I I it mattered to me about just everything. I was a little bit I had I had them like this and, and I felt God saying, You haven't given me everything. You haven't relinquished your care and what you think you're protecting. You haven't relinquished that to me yet. And I said, God, I don't know how to do that. My wife, well it was already over so it wasn't that hard it was already gone i just my life was given to him but my children i was holding over i i didn't know how to let go and trust in god to protect them to guide them to care for them i didn't know how to do that i just was like well but that's kind of my job and that's kind of that's kind of like i'm supposed to and it's but i wasn't i was in concern i wasn't i wasn't letting go of that and going god it, they're yours but then he, he told me one day I felt in my heart him go, if they get sick to the point of where a doctor can't help them, can you do anything? You go, oh boy, no, no, I, no, I can't do anything. That's that is definitely out of my realm. If 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 I'm overwhelmed and some guys come in and I'm something happens and I'm not there, can I protect them in that moment? <sighs> no, 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 I can't. So he started showing me these things, and then really pretty much made me realize I'm helpless. I can't help them. I can't protect them. I can do what I can a little bit in the natural, but it's really not going to be what they need. And so I recognize, God, you're right. I I relinquish my right to feel like I'm their protector. I give my children to you. I relinquish my fears, worries, and anxieties over them. I will not hold it. I will let you be their protector, your guider. And when when I did that, that was the hard that was the hard. That was the hard one for me to be able to do. But if we don't do that in every area of our life, we're going to be holding on to these little things, and we're not really going to be trusting God in these things in, in our life. We're, we're really going to be trusting our abilities, what we can do. We have to give everything. It says you have to love less or hate your father, your mother, your children, your spouse. Yes, even your own life in order to follow him. And if we don't think that God loves my children more than me, we do. I do, then I'm deceived because God loves them way more than I do. And he's a way better father than, him, than I am. And he cares about each one of us. So much more than we could ever be able to do because we can't do the way that God can. The only way we can do that is by giving us all over to God and then we can love them the best. But other than that, we're going to be messed up and we're going to be having issues. So, entitled Christianity is a person that thinks that they can have the promises of God without the obedience to Christ. God has asked and told us everything in our life. He is the Lord of all things in every area of our life. And we can't be entitled Christians thinking that because I'm a Christian and I believe in Jesus, that now I, I'm i just going to be okay because, well, God, you love me because I believe in Jesus. So you're going to grade me on a curve. So I don't really have to look just like him. I don't really have to learn the same ways. I don't really have to give that part of my life up. I don't really have to do these things. I just can be saved without having any problems. I'm just, I'm, I'm, I've got the ticket to heaven now. His name's Jesus. I got a little little stamp ticket. It's not. That's an entitled Christianity, and that is not the way. If we don't see him clearly, we won't be able to walk like him. <clears throat> these problems in our life, these things that we're going through, are to teach us to overcome the world, because that's what it is. Our faith overcomes the world, and our faith in Christ is what has done it. Christ has overcome the world. He says, be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. In this life, you'll have trials and tribulations, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. So you're still going to have them. We read in, in, in Matthew 7 where it talks about the storms came. If you didn't build your house on found the foundation, doing everything that he had just told us to, if you didn't build your house with that foundation, then when the storms of life come, it'll beat on you and and you'll fall. How many things in this life are beating on you, making you fall? We're to be overcomers. We're to look like Christ. And so now we can understand why, how can we rejoice in all things through trials and tribulations and all these things and sufferings? Because if our one goal is to look and be like Christ. And that's what we're supposed to go through to purify anything out of us so that we can be like him. Then we can rejoice in these things because now we see the purpose of these things. See, but if we don't understand that that's what we're called to, we're gonna just sit back and think we're okay, and then these problems are kind of there, and we're kind of swatting them away and having problems. Oh God, help me that that situation. No. That's not how it looks. How it looks is these things are supposed to change us. These, They're revealing something of us that's not of Christ. And now it's to train us for these ways so that we can share in his holiness. Because without holiness, no one will see God. So it's a good thing when we get our eyes fixed only on him and understand what these things are to do in our life. They're to purify us, to help us live like him. Philippians 127 Nevertheless, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come and see see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, contending side by side for the faith of the gospel. So we're supposed to be in one spirit, contending for the faith of this gospel. We have something to contend for, and it's the faith of the gospel. It's not just I have faith. What what is that? It's it's the faith of the. We're contending in one spirit, contending for the faith of the gospel. We're we're we have weapons of righteousness, faith, the word of God, helmet of salvation. Belt of truth, respiratory righteousness. We're fighting for something. We're fighting to not be deceived, thinking that some of these old natures of the way that we've functioned, that we've grown up in, is just okay. It's, It's not. He came to make us a whole new creation, to be one with God. Just as Christ is one, now we are one. He's not one with the world and the fallen nature of man. He's purifying us to look just like him. To be reflecting the same image. The full stature of Christ. Not to the full stature plus Adam. Not the fallen nature plus God. Everything. Everything that's hitting us, touching us, showing us, going, something's in your life, get it out. Recognize. But we can't do it by our own willpower. It's through his spirit beholding him will cleanse us as he is clean Philippians 3 10-11 that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death if by any means, I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. There's a lot of stipulations in there. It did not just say, you believe in Jesus and you're saved. It says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead, partaking in the sufferings, being conformed to him in his death, so that I can attain to the resurrection of the dead. There's the stipulations in that situation. That's why you have to be dead, you have to be baptized. You can't, you must, Jesus says, you must be born again. Matthew 7, 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only those who do the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? Then I will play and tell them I never knew you depart from me, workers of lawlessness. 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only those who do the will of my Father. It is the will of God for you to rejoice in all things. If it's God's will for you to rejoice in all things, we have to know why we could rejoice in all things. Because I can't just come up here and say, guys, it's the will of God, you rejoice in all things. But then when the circumstance comes and hits you, you're going to think, how am I supposed to rejoice in this as given problems? The reason why we can is because then we know it's to purify us as he is pure so that we can be holy as he is holy. Because it's through this is that we get to know him. It's through this that we overcome this world. It's through this dying of self. Death of self isn't always pleasant. It isn't pleasant to die. But it's the death of self that must happen, partaking in his death, not living to ourselves, not accounting our life. If you're going to follow after me, you must deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow me. It's putting off the old man, putting on the new man, It's the will of God for us is to, to rejoice in all things. It's, the will, it's, it's your calling to suffer for doing good. It's the grace of God in your life. It's I don't know if how many people have seen or recognized some of this, but when you're trained in this and when you understand it and you actually see that and you're point of your life is to be living with him and to see him clearly and to serve him then these things you'll recognize they're good, they're good in our life because they're getting rid of the things that actually create problems in our life the problems that in our life are created by not, by not knowing the answers of these things are just showing you guys red flag Christ is not here, he needs to be lord of your life totally, you need to die submit yourself to God be trained in these ways let the things of the old nature pass away so that you can overcome the world and be free. Because it's way better to be free of the trials and the things around you to where when they come, they don't move you. They hit the house, but it does not shake because it's founded upon the rock. But there's a death, there's a suffering of it. Let me see if I have that one. It's... 1 Peter 4 says, Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves with the same result, because anyone who has suffered in the body is done with sin. See, there's a suffering in the body that you go through to put off your own personal desires, your own wants, your own ways, your own things, the things that come that would give you conflict because it's not right to you. It's They're treating you wrong. When you suffer and you put those off, then they won't have power over you. And then you're free of them. Then when the person has an issue, you can actually be okay and love them and they'll be going, whoa, what, wait, wait, what, what? Because it shows something different other than just me being offended and trying to be whatever. But if you're not affected by them because you're given over to God and these things are dead in your life, then you're going to be free and walking in Christ and there's no joy. Joy, see, joy isn't taken through circumstances. Happiness is because it's through the things that happen. But he gives us joy not as the world gives and peace not as the world gives. How do you have peace and joy through these things? Because we've been trained to be like him, purifying ourselves, being free of the world that then nothing can touch your peace and joy. In 1 Peter 5 it says after that stuff that he talks about in 512. He talks about this is the true grace of God in which you stand. So the true grace of God in which you stand is suffering the flesh be done with sin, doing good and be treated wrong, and taking it. This is the true grace in God in which you stand. So Basically, freedom, he set us free for the purpose of freedom. It's freedom in everything. Freedom of all of the fallen nature of Adam. Nothing of Adam doesn't have to be in our life anymore because it's the fallen nature of Adam and our ways that we thought and felt that give us the problems. And he's going, I've freed you completely from these. And here's how. If you're looking to me, I'll train you in these ways. Don't be an illegitimate son. Learn through the things you've suffered. Understand what I'm doing in your life. Because now when we understand what, when we're going through these things and something happens, you know what you'll understand? Oh, God, you're with me right now because you're trying to train, teach me and get rid of this in me because you don't want this in me anymore. It's not condemnation. It's not something you can do. Who's had anger problems? I have. How hard is it to get rid of? Can you do it out of your own will? can't. There's a suffering and death of the self of where it comes from that needs to be put off. Through faith in Christ and keeping your eyes beheld on him. Not letting the little things of your life go by and not think they're a big deal because the little foxes spoil the vine. It's the things that a lot of these things that you think aren't that big of a deal that you let go in your life that are actually creating and spoiling a lot of things in our life. It matters. And he's done it. He's made the way. He's walked it out, and he gave you the same spirit to do it. We don't have to do it. He gave us the spirit to do it. All we have to do is behold him, love him, look to him, and say, my life is laid down all the way. I'm not going to hold a thing of mine. I'm going to give you it all, and I'm going to bow down. You will be Lord of my life in every area. And when you give your life in every area to him, he will be Lord in every area. And you will be free because where the spirit of God is, there is freedom. Okay. That's all I have. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you for making the way. Thank you for sending Jesus to do it for us. To show us the path to give us his spirit and give us the grace, ability through you. live for you, to be free of all the fallen problems that we've been born into. Thank you for your freedom that you've given us. Thank you for what you've paid for through the heavy cost. Let us see and recognize your hand in so much area of our life because you love us so much. Let us walk with you with clear vision upon you, knowing that Your purpose is Christ in us. The fullness of God. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.